that you are mindful of me that you hear me when I call is it true that you are thinking of me how you love me it's amazing who am I that you are mindful of me that you hear me when I call is it true that you are thinking of me that you love me it's amazing I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God he calls me friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. In this time of death. 
something a little different this morning. Um, two and a half years ago on Christmas Eve, I went back to the office after the, the first service, and there was an envelope under the door that just simply said, Roger. 
And, I, and we're used to getting Christmas cards and things, so I didn't think a whole lot about it and put it in my Bible and took it home. And then later when I got home, I opened it. And inside was a rather sizable check and a note that said, this is to help pay some medical bills and take a nice trip. And that's when my sights were set on Alaska. We had planned to go last year, but Sue's health uh, wasn't very good and we weren't able to go, so we put it off a year and on August the 10th at 4 p.m., Seattle time, we set sail for Alaska. It was a wonderful experience, and in some ways it was a spiritual experience. I found myself, as I, as I saw these things in Alaska and as I experienced them, and even after I got home as I went back through pictures, there were certain scriptures that just kept popping to mind. And so I got the idea to kind of meld pictures of Alaska with the Word of God, and, and we'll just see what comes out. The one scripture that just stayed in my mind more than anything else was Psalm 8. Let's bring that up. Um, I'm just going to kind of skip through here, but it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? That is the scripture that kept running through my mind because everything in Alaska or everything about this trip even made me feel small. Let's run through some pictures. Um, this was our boat. The, yeah, I, I will, that's, that's my lovely wife. And that's our boat, the Ruby Princess. This thing is over a football field long. It had 16 decks. And it was enormous. And it, when we first got out of the little shuttle bus that took us from the airport to the pier, and I got out, I just stood there and went, whoa. And I remember Sue asking me, that floats? <laughs> huh? You know, you look at the planes, you wonder, that ain't coming off the ground, but it does. And it's like, that floats. And uh, so the boat made me feel small. Uh, next one. Uh, the ocean made me feel small. The first day, Sunday, was just a sea day, they called it. And, and everywhere you looked was just the vastness of the ocean. And I remember feeling very small. Even the clouds came down and like touched the ocean, or at least that's what it looks like. And it made me feel very small. Whales made me feel small. Now, I wish I had one of those great pictures of a big humpback whale breaching out of the water. I don't have that. Uh, you would see the spout, then they would appear with their dorsal fin, and then you would get to see the tail flip. They said hello to you as you watched them. But the whales were enormous. They made me feel small. They told us that these humpback whales eat a ton of food a day. I'm jealous. I'm <laughs> jealous. 
just jealous. Ton of food today. Okay, let's. The glaciers made me feel small. Uh, you know, just this big flow of ice that comes down out of the mountains until it touches the sea. And as you get up close to these things, they're just enormous. And to think this ice is always here. Uh, around the, uh, around through the, the months. The gardens made me feel small. This is Bootcart Gardens in Victoria, British Columbia. And it's just a massive garden, 55 acres of flowers, if you can imagine that. Uh, how would you like to weed that thing, you know? Uh, but it made me feel small just standing there and looking at it, all this beauty. The food made me feel small. That is too shrimp. Uh, you know, we're used to shrimp living up to their name. Shrimp. <laughs> uh, and I've had jumbo shrimp. But these are like jumbo shrimp on steroids. These are called tiger prawns. And they're the size of the lobster tails you'd get at Red Lobster. They were huge. And I just put that there because it's beautiful. That's just beautiful, isn't it? Pistachio and hazelnut cake smothered in chocolate with the little nuts around the bottom. And I sat there for a moment and just looked at it. <laughs> this is beautiful. And then I ate it. So that didn't make me feel small. But I liked it, so I put it there. But you know, that psalm I read, David is walking out. He, he's looking at the heavens. I was looking at the earth. He was looking at the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars. And he said, compared to the vastness of the heavens, who am I? Who are we? That God even notices we must be like little ants crawling around. But then he changes. As he goes on in that psalm, he said, but you have made us just a little lower than the angels and have crowned us with glory and honor. There's just a sudden shift in perspective. And I ask myself, what caused that? One moment, he's feeling small. And the next moment, he's saying, you know, we're pretty special. And I realized what made the difference was what he was focused on. As he looked at the vastness of the heavens, he began to focus on himself and said, I'm small and insignificant compared to the wonders of nature. But then he shifted his focus to the one who made nature, to God. And he said, you know what? The one who made that also made me. And he declared that we are the pinnacle of his creation. All those wonderful sights in Alaska that made me feel small. God said, you're better than that because you're mine. David said, you have made me. See, he realized our value, our worth, our significance doesn't come from who we are. It comes from who made us. It's kind of like paintings. I have to admit, I'm not the most cultured individual when it comes to art. And most of the time, if I go to these big museums and walk through and look at it, I think, I don't want most of this in my house. 
I, I don't really get it. And you look at a painting and you're not very impressed with it until you get up and see the name Rembrandt. Ooh, that's a Rembrandt. And suddenly the painting is exactly the same as it was a few moments ago. But when you tell me it was painted by Rembrandt, I suddenly think, ooh, that's pretty special. (laughs) Well, what changed? I know who made it. And that's what David is saying. When I focus on myself, I seem small and insignificant. But when I focus on who made me, wow, I'm pretty special. And he went on to say, and you crowned us with glory and honor. I hope you all know that the stuff we achieve in this world doesn't matter all that much. The awards, the accolades, um, the They're fine, but they just really don't matter that much. It's the glory and the honor that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what matters. I thought about that when uh, I did the service for Fred Walliser. I hope all of you had a chance to read the obituary of Fred Walliser. And like me, you may have been surprised by all of the things that he had accomplished in his life and all the awards and honors he had achieved. I wasn't surprised that he got them because he certainly was deserving, but I was surprised because he never mentioned them. Even his wife Kay said, I didn't know he had all that. He didn't talk about them. He would go somewhere and get some award, some big honor, and he'd come back and he'd stick it in a drawer and wouldn't say a word about it. He understood these awards are nice. I appreciate them. But ultimately what matters is what God thinks of me and what God will say to me when I stand before him. There's another scripture in Philippians that came to mind. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. We can skip that one. This picture does not do this justice. This was one of my favorite views of the whole trip. The water in Alaska, especially as you get up into the inlets and the bays, is just blue and clear and pure. And when the sun is shining, it reflects the land off of it. So it looks like the mountains are double. There's a mountain and then there's another mountain. And I thought of that scripture where he said we are to be pure and blameless and shine like stars in the midst of the sinful world in which we live. Just as the waters of Alaska reflect the land around it, so our lives are to reflect the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ. Are we reflectors of Christ? Have you ever gotten out of the shower 
and looked in the mirror and it's all fogged up. You can't see yourself and you have to take a towel and wipe it off. Well, so that's what sin does to our lives. Sin fogs the mirror and there's no reflection anymore. People can't see Christ in us when we are disobeying and dishonoring God. But through the forgiveness that God offers, he wipes it off. He clears the mirror of our lives. He, he makes the reflection so we can see it again. And I thought of that when I looked at this. Go on to the next one too. I have um, the way the water reflects. The mountains is the way we are to reflect Christ. Go ahead. Um, then I thought of Matthew. Or no, Luke. This is Luke. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. And Jesus said the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules should be like the one who serves. Now, what do you think reminded me of that scripture in Alaska? Totem poles. Didn't you think of totem poles as I read that scripture? Come on. Come on. I thought totem poles. I didn't realize there are three tribes or groups of native peoples who, who live in Alaska. And they often honor their ancestors by creating totem poles. Now we have a saying, when, when you work somewhere and a new guy comes in, what do we say? You are the low man on the totem pole. You got no seniority, you know, you get no perks, uh, you're the last one to get anything. And, and our tour guide mentioned that, and he said, we got it wrong. We got it wrong. Because in Alaska, the low man on the totem pole is the most honored and revered one in the family. He's the patriarch. He's the one who holds everybody else up. So being the low man on the totem pole is exactly where you want to be. And when, I, when he said, as soon as he said that, I thought of that scripture in Luke. Because the disciples were arguing about who gets to be number one, who gets to be the greatest. Go ahead and put up the next picture. It's some more totem poles. This is a totem pole museum. And I, when they said they had a totem pole museum, I'm thinking, you know, big building, museum. See that little cabin right there? That's totem pole museum. <laughs> but there are a number of totem poles. And, and Jesus' disciples were arguing about who's going to be the greatest, and we have to remember they're doing that during the Last Supper. He is beginning to suffer. He is beginning to feel the agony of the impending cross that is before him. And they're sitting over there going, well, I'm going to be greater than you. Well, I think he's going to put me number one. I think I'm better. And, and Jesus said, stop. <laughs> he said, you're thinking like the world. You know, everybody's trying to be number one, to get ahead, to take advantage of other people, to, to come out on top. But in my kingdom... You want to be low man on the totem pole. Because the greatest is not the one who gets served. The greatest is the one who's willing to serve. 
And boy, that's a life lesson we learned from the totem poles. God didn't create us to live for ourselves. If we get to the end of our lives and all we can say is, you know, I had a great life because I got what I wanted. I got to do what I wanted. I, I got to enjoy this world by all the things that were important to me. God's not going to be impressed. He would much rather we show up and say, you know, um, I hope I made a difference to at least one or two. Because that's what Jesus did and that's what he calls us to do. To live our lives in service to others. To make a difference for others. How many times in the Gospels do you read, Jesus went somewhere because he wanted to? Or Jesus did something because he felt like it? Or Jesus accomplished this because it made him happy? No, Jesus was motivated. He was driven. He was compelled by the love and grace of God. And everything he did was focused on how can I take this and expose them to it. And we're to do the same. To live our lives to honor him. Okay. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Fishing is a big part of the Alaskan economy, especially salmon fishing. You know, up here, salmon is kind of a, a delicacy. You know, s salmon's expensive. Salmon's not something you normally have all the time. It's a treat. Up there, they eat salmon like hamburger. I mean, it's just salmon is everywhere. I got to admit, though, that, that salmon for breakfast, yes. that lox and bagel thing, the chilled salmon, you get a bagel, cream cheese, and some of this chilled kind of slimy-ish salmon and you put it on top and not so much not so much uh, so I set it aside and had eggs and bacon <laughs> said thank you Jesus so <laughs> I think they missed the boat on that one but but uh, you know fishing is such a vital part of their life there in, on the coastal area of Alaska and fishing is a vital part of our lives as Christians. Do you think the disciples understood what he meant when he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? I don't think they had a clue. But I think they did understand we're about to do something special. You know, we've lived pretty common lives, average lives. We go to work, we go home. We, but I think that's going to change. Jesus seems to be calling us into a different kind of life. And they came to learn that rather than fishing for mackerel and cod and halibut and salmon and all that stuff, you're going to fish for people. You're going to live your lives in such a way that draws people to Christ. Okay, one more. 
One of my favorite Old Testament scriptures, Isaiah 40, came to mind. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Um, one of the most majestic birds I know is the eagle. Now, that's not a very good picture. Unfortunately, I did not have those great big long lenses that, that the naturalists have that get these up-close beautiful pictures. But that's a bald eagle sitting in a tree. We saw bunches of them. We saw eagles sitting on light posts in Juno. I mean, just common. You know, we get all excited. There's an eagle! And the bus driver's like, yeah, and there's one, there's one, there's one over there. And <laughs> but you know, the eagle... In the Bible was a symbol of strength and perseverance, determination. An eagle's a powerful bird. And I didn't realize how big they are. Alaska has big eagles. Three foot tall and a wingspan of seven feet. And they soar effortlessly through the sky. And that's the image Isaiah had. He said, you know, this world is going to beat you down. This world is going to wear you out. This world is going to make you discouraged and disappointed and defeated. But if you'll wait on the Lord, and what he means by that is, if you will seek to live your life God's way in God's time, according to God's purpose, he will renew you. He will strengthen you. You will be like that eagle. And I put this final picture in there because I did want a close-up picture of an eagle, so I found one sitting here. <laughs> it's amazing. You walk right up to him. He doesn't move. <laughs> and I also wanted you to see that I have something in common with the bald eagle. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. Gonna let you figure that out. But, um, you know, it was an amazing trip. And as I've always said, pictures will not do justice uh, to the beauty that is there, the, the, the wonder of it. Uh, you use the word wow about a hundred times when you're in Alaska. And, um, but throughout the whole trip, I kept thanking God for creating this beautiful place and asking him to help our lives to be like that great land. Just as it calls people to it. Thousands and thousands of people go to Alaska every year. Could we see that many people come to Christ? Could we see the lives of people changed by what they experience like they do in Alaska by being a part of God's family, his church? I pray that they will. Let us pray. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to experience great places like Alaska, but most of all to experience you. We are small and insignificant in this universe that you created, 
but yet you elevate us to glory and honor because you made us and your son died for us and you've given us the privilege of spreading the good news of Jesus. And I pray that every day we will live our lives in a way that honors you, that reflects you, that draws people to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Not everyone will be able to go to Alaska, but everyone can come to Jesus. There are no limitations. There are no barriers. There are no obstacles to Christ. All it takes is your faith. Your willingness to acknowledge that I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior and I want my life to count for him. Each week we come to this time we call an invitation and it's simply a time to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. We're going to stand in a moment and sing a hymn and as we do so I invite you to come to confess your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior to let me pray with you, to arrange for your baptism, and to set your feet on the path of a Christian, one who will be a fisher of men, whose life will count, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Let us stand together. We're going to sing hymn number 105, verses 1 and 2.